Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Luke chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Almost Christmas. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time that you've given us to gather in your presence, God. We come to you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we assemble in this place for your glory. And we ask you to speak to us, God. I pray that you would really let us understand your word today. Father, I pray that you would anoint me to say what you'd have me to say in the fashion you'd have me to say it, God. Give us a hunger to hear your voice today is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. It's almost Christmas. we got one week left for Christmas. And I tell you guys every year that when we get this close, we, we got seven days left before Christmas. And you know what that means? It means all the women are done shopping or almost done with their shopping. And all the men better start realizing, if I'm going to do something, I better hurry up and do it now. Because men are notorious, and it's so funny, I hear people say stuff like, man, Christmas just snuck up on me this year. No, it didn't. It's the same day every year. It, it's coming. It's, it's coming next year if we're still here. It's, so get ready for whatever your tradition is. My tradition for Christmas is a little bit different than most people's. Your tradition is what your tradition is, but I want you to celebrate Christmas with the recognition of God being who he is. I want you to some kind of way give God glory this season. All around the world, people are talking about celebrating Christmas as it comes up next Sunday. And it's cool to me that even unsaved people speak the name of Christ when they say Christmas. Even unsaved people come to a recognition and a realization that there's something about Jesus Christ. No matter what the world tries to do to drive Jesus out, God will always keep Jesus at the forefront. We lived for 2,000 years plus with two little letters that distinguished the time before Christ was born. It was B.C. Y'all remember B.C. And it always meant before Christ until a couple of years ago. And they've changed the meaning now in America to what B.C. means. Anybody know what B.C. means now? Before the common era. And that's not even right because that would be B-T-C-E. Am I right? Before the common era. The common era. Come on, people. How hard are you trying to get Jesus out of your head? B-C is before 
Christ. The whole world's time schedule and calendar is set up off the birth of this one human being, the most documented human being that ever has been. There's more written about Jesus. There's more history. There's more books written about Jesus than any other human being that's ever lived. Why? Because Jesus is the most special and magnificent person that ever lived, and we've got everybody talking about him this week. So don't be one of those negative people where, where you see Xmas and, and talk bad about people. And I know it sounds cute to say don't cross Christ out of Christmas. Keep Christ in Christmas. But I want you to be positive this week. I want you to be positive with believers and with unbelievers because this is a time of year when everybody's mind has to be dialed in and tuned in to the story of Jesus Christ, no matter how hard they try to resist it. Now, I know a lot of people that, ha- that are not saved, and I know some people who call themselves atheists and agnostics. An atheist is someone who doesn't believe in God. An agnostic is someone who's not sure. They can't prove it, and they don't feel like we can prove it otherwise. But I tell you this, atheists and agnostics, they're just confused and miserable people. They're, they're upset. Because they know deep down there really is something to it. Find one of your atheist buddies and start talking to them about God and see how upset they get. They're they're upset because they really know deep down that there is more. And I want you to hear this this morning. If you don't hear anything else, you need to understand there is more. There's more to this life than just the life that you see. There's more going on than just what you can see with your eyes. There's something on the other side. Do you believe that? There is something on the other side of life, and there is someone on the other side of life. And I want us to spend some time this morning reading and thinking about the first Christmas day. As we look at our text, I want to pull out some things that the shepherds did. Last week, we looked at some things that the wise men did because the Bible says we have these stories for our example that we can learn from them. This morning, I want us to look at some of the things the shepherds did and learn what we can do to Have a great Christmas and honor God through this time of Christmas. Let's look in our text again in Luke chapter 2 verse 1. It says that the Roman emperor decreed a census. They wanted to find out who was who, how many people were around. Everybody had to go back to their hometown. It says verse 2 is the first census uh, of the new governor of Syria. Verse 3 says they all went to their own towns to register. So you had to know where your people were from. We live in a world where many people don't know where they came from. And I've heard so many people say, if you want to know where you're going, you have to know where you come from. That's not always true because a lot of people don't know where they came from. But if you concentrate enough on your present, you can get your future put in line. I'd rather concentrate on what I'm doing right now. Now, my son Jacob, he doesn't like to hear. He's not a big ancestry guy. He he doesn't want to be a related to Germany in any fashion. If the name Becker is a very distinct German name, it's like Smith and Jones in Germany, but he doesn't care anything about the past. He's concentrating on where he's at right now. And I think in many ways that's good, but then they had to go to their hometown. Now think about that. What if they decided to have a census every year and they said, you got to get to your hometown and where are you going to go? Which hometown? The hometown you were born in or the hometown your parents were born in or the hometown your grandparents were born in and they had to trace their lineage to go back to their family 
place of origin. So Joseph, being a descendant of King David, verse 4 says, had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. He traveled there from Nazareth. Verse 5 says he took his fiancée Mary with him, and she was obviously pregnant at this time. Now, there's two big genealogies listed uh, for the line that Jesus came down out of. In Matthew's gospel, it shows the genealogy of Joseph, who was his not biological father, but the man who was in the role of his father when he was born because we believe Jesus came forth from God, that he was born of the virgin Mary. But she's a virgin, and she's walking around with a big belly. Listen, ladies, don't try that on your man today. Men don't believe that on your woman today. Joseph is not talked about very much in the Scripture, but I want you to know this is a man of tremendous faith. Because I don't care what kind of angel came to me in a dream and told me she's pregnant of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going for that. Amen, fellas? I am not going for that. And she tells me I haven't been with anybody. This the God has done this to me. I'm like, yeah, well, you better go marry God because pff, pff, I ain't got nothing to do with it. And Joseph didn't have anything to do with that, but he believed what God told him. You don't, unless you're a man, you don't understand how deep faith Joseph was. This was a deep brother here that believed God when he told him that. So they're traveling. She's pregnant. They're going back to Joseph's hometown. Luke's genealogy comes through Mary. And in verse 7, it says she gave birth to her first child, a son. I was born into the Catholic Church, and they believed that Mary was a perpetual virgin, but the Gospels declare that Jesus had biological brothers and sisters that came from Mary and Joseph, and that's why the Scripture says she gave birth to her first child, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. I've been riding around looking at Christmas lights and seeing nativity scenes, and like I told you last week, the Bible says that the wise men came to see Jesus when he was in a house. So don't let Walmart nativity scenes throw you off. There were no wise men in the manger, but there was a baby in the manger named Jesus Christ. And Jesus came the first time as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, but he's coming back, we believe, a second time as the king of kings in all power and with all glory. And I hope that you believe that because that is the hope of every Christian, but verse 7 says that they laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn. And every time I read that, it's heartbreaking to me, and it's sad to me to think that the God who created everything, who loves everyone more than we could possibly believe, came into the world that he created, and the world was not willing to make room for him. The Bible says there was no room for them in the village inn. I wonder this morning, is there room in your life for Christ? Is there room in your home for Christ? Is there, do you make room for God? Now, you say, well, I'm here, Pastor. Listen, just because you're here don't mean that you're really here. Just because you can hear me doesn't mean you're hearing me. I want you to make room for God, not just on Christmas, but all the time. And I, I know that there is room in my life for Christ, and I want more of God and less of me. If you want to know how to be all that God wants you to be, focus on that. More of him and less of me. In verse 8 in Luke 2, it says, That night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding 
the flocks of sheep. Now, this one verse and things connected to it have given rise to many scholars saying that the time of the year was not right for shepherds to be outside at night. That they typically in December, much less December 25th, would not have been outside guarding sheep at night. And that's why most theologians don't believe that December 25th is actually the date that Jesus was born. That date came about through many different ways and linked to some pagan traditions and some festivals that were going on. But to me, it's not as important. What, what if it was December 24th? What if it was April 11th? What if it was August the 15th? What if it was September 9th? It, it to me doesn't matter so much the date as it matters that we believe that Jesus Christ was born. We believe the gospel. See, the gospel account doesn't say what day and what month he was born. It just says that he was born. And you need to listen. I believe personally that everybody believes in Jesus. You'd have to be a fool to deny the historical account of Jesus. I believe in George Washington that he was a human being. I don't believe, I don't trust my life to him, but I believe and I believe everybody with a brain believes that Jesus was born, but everybody doesn't believe that Jesus was God. Everybody doesn't believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. Everybody doesn't believe that Jesus died and rose again the third day. That's the difference between being saved and being unsaved. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe that he came? Do you believe that he was resurrected? These shepherds were outside. They were watching their sheep, verse 9 says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terribly frightened. I want you to know, when you start hearing people talk about God showed up to me, I, God, I saw God in a vision, or an angel appeared to me. If they just sat down and kept eating cornbread while that was going on, you know something's either wrong with them or their story's sketchy. Because every time where we see God showing up or angelic hosts showing up, there's a fear that overcomes people. And these shepherds were, were terribly frightened, verse 9. And I told you, I want, us, I want us to look at what they did, and I want us to emulate some of the things they did. The first thing that I want you to notice about the shepherds, they were in the right place at the right time. Say right place. They were in the right place. At the right time. If you study the Bible, you will come to an undeniable conclusion that our God is a God of timing, a God of seasons, a God of logic, a God of order. Many scientists have become Christians by trying to disprove our story about Christ, but as you look at it, it all makes sense. It makes more sense to me just in a natural mindset that there's a God in heaven making all this stuff happen right than there is that everything just rolled out on its own with no logic and no order. But the shepherds were in the right place at the right time. You're in the right place this morning if you want to be who God wants you to be. You're in the right place at the right time because the Bible tells us to celebrate the Lord on, the, on Sunday morning for Thousands of years, the followers of Jehovah had celebrated on Saturday. But when Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday, the apostles began to gather on the first day of the week. They began to gather on Sunday. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together. You, you've done that today. You did not neglect our meeting together. But it goes on to say, as some people do. 
Now, you know, some people used to be in church. They're not in church today. Some people just have come to the conclusion that church is not that important. But the scripture commands us to not neglect these meetings together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now the day of his coming back is drawing near. According to Ephesians chapter 2, our lives are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus being the cornerstone. If someone says, why do you go to church on Sunday? We go to church on Sunday to celebrate resurrection because the apostles went to church on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And it just blows my mind, like I told you a few moments ago, that churches are going to be closed on Sunday next week so that you can do something different on Christmas and so you can neglect our meeting together on Christmas. Please keep Christ in Christmas. What, no matter what your tradition is, you can squeeze two hours in for the Lord. I hear people say, well, you know, it's my only day off and we got to go see so-and-so and see such-and-such. And if y'all had a service at, at 5 a.m., I could come, or at 7 a.m., I could come. Listen, God's church is not here to placate people's schedule. I just want to make sure that was on so you could hear that. God church is not here to bend. That's why so many churches, and I've heard people say, Pastor, you should have multiple service because some people like to come really early and some people like to come late. Listen, I understand that everybody wants convenience, but we need to bend to God, not ask him to bend to us. Amen? And if our tradition is to have church at 1030, I want you to be here, and I hope that you'll be in service next Sunday morning, you need to be in the right place at the right time. They were doing what they were supposed to do. Now, there's a lesson here, and I don't want you to miss it. So many people think that they got to go do something extraordinary for God to speak to them. But they were just going about their business. They were just doing their job. They were just doing the right thing at the right time, and it put them in position to hear from the Lord. Don't be doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Be in your place. Be doing what you should be doing. What we'll be doing next Sunday is having church. We're having church this Sunday so we can celebrate resurrection, so we can gather together with our brothers and sisters, encourage each other, and warn each other. In verse 10, the Bible says, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, Messiah the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, this was great news to these shepherds because they were Jewish people. And they had been hearing this story about someone who was coming one day to deliver them from oppression. They had been hearing this story about a liberator, a savior, a messiah. And three titles are given to Christ in verse 11, the savior, the messiah, the Lord. And the shepherds were familiar with these three words, the, the savior, meant the promised one who would bring forgiveness of sins. When we talk about Jesus being the Savior, he's the one who saves us, but we need to understand what is he saving us from. He's saving us from our sins, which have to be paid for. The Bible says sin must be punished. Now, here's your choice in life. You can accept the punishment that God placed on his son on the cross when he died for our sins. Or you can say, no, I don't want to believe that. I want to pay for my own sins. And you can pay for your own sins eternally in hell. I want you to know the right thing to do is trust Jesus. When they said the Savior, these shepherds understood that they were talking about the promised one who would come and bring forgiveness of sins. The second 
word that they said the Messiah. Now, the word Messiah means the anointed high priest who would bring us back to God. They understood what we need to know today that when God created the earth, he put a man and a woman in the garden named Adam and Eve. And they were perfectly right with God. They had communion daily with God. The Bible says they walked in the garden with God. But then when they chose to rebel against God, when they chose to do the one thing he told them not to do, how many of y'all know that's just how kids are? Tell them what to, just I'm going to the store. Y'all you play in your room. Don't touch my television. What are they going to do? Don't mess with what's on the stove because that's good by itself. Don't eat the cookies because they're for guests coming over. What are they going to do? They're going to do the one thing you tell them not to do. And that created a separation between people and God. And these shepherds had been hearing their whole life about the Messiah, the anointed one who would come and bring people back to God. The third title that the angel gave for Jesus in this verse was the Lord. And the Lord is the appropriate or the proper title name for God, the one promised to come in the flesh to redeem mankind. So we see something specific about Jesus in these three titles. He was not only human, but he was God in the flesh. This is what separates Christianity from cults. This is what separates Christianity from false religions because true Christians believe that Jesus was born as a baby in a manger, but he was also God with us. He was God among us. He was all human but all God. You say, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't have to. You just believe it by faith. He was God in the flesh. This is the declaration that they were saying when they said in verse 11, the a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born. Where Jewish people believe in the Old Testament, they don't believe in the New Testament. Why? Because they don't believe that the man Jesus Christ that was born 2,000 years ago laid in a manger in Bethlehem was the Savior. Well, why don't they believe that? Because he didn't establish rule in Jerusalem. They're still waiting on their Savior to come. I've got news for you. There ain't nobody else coming. This new president is not going to save us. The, the current president couldn't save us. Any future political leader can't save us. There's only one Savior. Jesus said he was the only one, and we need to believe that the Savior is Christ our Lord. In verse 12, they said, this is how you will recognize him. You'll find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Verse 13 says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God, saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom all God favors. Verse 15 says, when the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said one to another. Now listen, here we get to the shepherds part. Come on, let us go to Bethlehem. Let us see this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Uh, the second thing I want you to pay attention to this morning from the shepherds, they believed what they heard. They believed what they heard. Now, God comes to them in the form of an angel and tells them that there's a baby being born around the corner in a manger and tells them how they can recognize him, and they believed what they heard. They didn't say, let's see this thing which might have happened. They said, let's go see this thing which has happened, which the Lord told us about. They believed what God says. Now, the Bible tells us that God in times past spoke through the apostles and the prophets, but in these last days, he speaks to us through the words of his son. When you read the Bible, when you hear the Bible being preached, you need to believe automatically, this is the word of the Lord. 
When someone says, I have a word from you, it has to line up with the Bible. The Bible says of itself that God has elevated his word above his name. So we need to believe that there's something special about the written word of God. They said, let's go see this wonderful thing that has happened. Uh, Years ago, a church in Atlanta, Georgia, popularized the saying, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's almost true. God says it, and that settles it, whether you believe it or not. The Bible says that his word is forever established in heaven. It is solid. It is secure. If you want a word from the Lord, you don't need a prophet. If you want a word from the Lord, you don't need to call the pastor. If you want a word from the Lord, open the Bible and read what God says. That's a word from the Lord. These people walking around telling you they've got a word for you. If they're not living clean and holy, if they're not right before God, just just tell them, keep that one for yourself. I'll go find my own. Mm, I'm going to keep moving. In verse 16, it says, They ran to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and their baby was there lying in the manger. Third point this morning, they did something about what they heard. They did something. See, you can read the Bible, but if you don't apply the Bible, you're not getting where God wants you to be. You can read, you can hear what God has to say, but you got to do something. Say, do something. They did something about what they heard. They didn't walk. They didn't procrastinate. They ran. When God speaks to you, he expects a response. When It's it's like any father. If a father tells a child, get up and go brush your teeth, he doesn't want to hear, I'll do it during the commercial. He doesn't want to hear, can can I do it after my show? When when the father speaks, he expects people to move. And the shepherds did something about what they heard. There are a lot of people that can talk to you about the Bible But it's more important that you do one verse of Scripture than you can quote a thousand verses of Scripture. Knowing what the Word says is great, but it's in the doing that that you're going to be blessed. The Bible says that you should be a doer of the Word and not just a hearer only. They they believed what they heard, but they also did something about it. James 1 and 25 says that we're blessed in our doing, not in our hearing. I know that many of you could talk about God for a long time. You could talk about stories in the Bible. You could talk about what the Bible says. You can talk about the history of the Lord's church. But are you doing something with what you know? It's important that you do. See, if we would just begin to do what we know to do, the church would be in better shape. Many people won't come to church in in 2016 because they went to church and they didn't see the people living right. The number one reason people give for not wanting to come to church is there's too many hypocrites in the church. Y'all know if you've been around me, I tell them all the same thing. There's hypocrites at Winn-Dixie, but you still go there. There's hypocrites at Publix, but you still show. They trust me. They're hypocrites at Walmart. If you want a fun Friday night, go sit in at Subway. Uh, in Walmart, on Brandon Field, in Middleburg. Just sit there, get your glass of tea, and watch people walking by. It won't take you long to figure out there's some funky people in this world. But it doesn't keep people from going to other places. They're just looking for an excuse to not do what God says. And we need to be the type of believer that does something about what we hear. You know, Jesus said, treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's not just something to put on a door knocker. God said, uh, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I see that on doormats and door knockers when I go into people's homes. That's not just something cool to write down. That's something to live out. 
if you had to think about your own life right now and try to think, what is it that I'm doing based on what God says? Am I applying any of this scripture to my life? Because some people come and approach God only from a headstrong knowledge, only from a head knowledge, and they know a lot, but it's important that you do something. Say, do something. I want you to live a life this week of doing something because of what God says. God said something to them, and by response, they did something about it. God told them that there was a baby being born, and they should go look, and they ran to go look. I think for some of you, it's time to start running. It's time to start running spiritually toward God and what God has called you to do. I've heard people say that they have a call of God on their life. They believe God has told them that they should do something specific for Him. I've heard people say that, Pastor, I'm running from the Lord, or my, my child is running from God right now. You need to understand you can't outrun God. Where are you going to run from God to? Wherever you run to, he's already going to be there because the Bible says that he is everywhere. But they ran to what God told them to do. Don't run away from the Lord. Don't run away from what God is calling you to do, sir. Don't run away, ma'am, from what God has placed in your heart to do. Do that thing. Do that thing that God has told you to do and watch how life opens up around you. Verse 17, it says, The shepherds then told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. The fourth thing they did, they told others what they heard. This used to be popular in Christian churches. We call it evangelism. We go out and we tell people what God has done. The problem I see in 2016 is people are broadcasting a whole lot of stuff, but very few people are talking about Jesus. You can find every special interest group in the world being represented on the news, in social media, in written print, but you can't hardly find anybody talking about Jesus anymore. I want to encourage you, as a Christian, tell people what you have heard from God. Speak the Word of God to people. Speak the Word of God in your home. Speak the Word of God in your car. Speak the Word of God to yourself over your own life because our job today is still what their job was then. We're supposed to go out and tell it. The old song says, go tell it on the, what? On the mountain, over the hills, and everywhere. We need to be going everywhere we go telling people what we have heard about God. In verse 18 of Luke 2, it says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Don't be freaked out if you start talking to somebody about God and they get glazed over. They get a dazed look on their face or they tell you, well, that's fine for you to believe, but I don't choose to believe that. Listen, the truth's the truth anyhow. You need to accept that reality. You need to accept the fact that the truth is the truth. Grandmama said, don't touch the stove, it's hot. Silly little grandchild didn't believe that and he touched the stove. Guess what he realized? It's hot. Believe what you hear when you trust the person saying it. Some people don't want to believe what they heard, but hear me good. We're not responsible for their belief, but we are responsible to tell them. We're not responsible for them believing our story. They might be astonished. They might be freaked out. They might not agree with what we say, but we are responsible to tell them what we've heard. In verse 19, the Bible says, But Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and thought about them often. The story that the shepherds told, Mary thought about those Things and thought about them often. Verse 20 says, The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God for what the angels had told them, and because they had seen the child just as the angel said. The fifth thing they did, they gave God glory for what they heard. 
They gave God glory for what they heard. Now, it's popular among people who preach and say, I have a word from God for you today. The Lord hath said, your season is now. Why is it always that? Every prophecy in the Old Testament, every prophet had the same message. Repent because judgment is coming. That's prophecy. Prophets today, they, people go to churches and they feel all spooky and spiritual and some man or woman will stand up and say, mm, hallelujah, oh, yeah, mm, ah, mm, mm, ah. What is all that? Mm, ah, ah. That's learned behavior that your great-grandfather Bishop Bobo was doing. So every, mm, mm, ah, mm, ah. And then, mm, ha, ho, hey, hey, uh, the Lord had, mm, word of the Lord. Somebody on this side of the church, God has said, somebody on this side, mm, ah, hey, uh, you, you suffering with mm, ah, ah, mm, lower back, lower back pain. That ain't prophecy. That's common sense. Uh, somebody on this side got a bad back. Let's just find out. Has anybody on this side of the church ever had a pain in the lower back? See what I'm saying? That ain't prophecy. Stop thinking these people are special. They're con artists trying to get your money. Mmm, ha, yeah. Ooh, ha, ha. Somebody, mmm, yeah, hallelujah. Mmm, mmm. Somebody on this side, mmm, right, right in here. Oh, uh, just a woman right over there. Mm, hey, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're a woman. You've been hurt by a man. <laughs> Come on now. Hey, Amen. Uh, every woman has been hurt by a man. Raise your hand. Come on now. That ain't prophecy. That's common sense. People just ridiculous. Well, you need to, you need to give God glory for what you hear in this book. Anybody can make stuff up. Don't, don't sow into your, uh, the spirit of the Lord has said, God's seen you with your trials and you're about to step into your new. Why is always something fluffing you up, making you feel good? You know why? Folk get more money when they feel good. You say, Pastor, you think that's just the bottom line? They're just after our money? Ding, ding, ding. You are the winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. If somebody's on TV begging for money, they got a 30-minute show on TV, 29 minutes. We need your support today. It's only by faithful givers like you that we're able to stay on the air. And if we don't raise $72 million in the next 15 minutes, we're going to shut down. What, your jet, your plane, your private, your limo ain't going to be able to pick you up? Why? Because it's not always what people are, if what people are saying don't line up with the word, it ain't worth hearing. But when you hear something that lines up with the word, we need to do what the shepherds did. What did they do? They gave God glory for what they heard, even if it isn't what they wanted to hear. See, it's easy to give God glory when the Bible says that God loves you and has a great plan for your life. But it, the Bible also says that it's God who puts one up and takes another one down. So whether you're on top, or on the bottom, the Bible says it's the Lord that's doing that. Do you realize that the God of the mountain is still the God of the valley? It's easy to give God glory when you're up on the mountain. But we need to learn how to give God glory for everything he says. See, the Bible teaches that there is a heaven to gain for those who will trust in Christ. But there's also a hell to shun for those who choose against Christ. And it doesn't do me any, any good in my heart to believe and understand the truth about hell. 
Because the Bible says that the road to hell is wide and many there be that go in thereat, but the road to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it. What's that telling me? That's telling me more people are going to the wrong place than going to the right place. You can have your family tradition about Christmas. You can believe what you want to believe about Christmas. That's not going to change your eternal resting place. The Bible doesn't say you go to heaven or hell based on how you celebrate Christmas. You can read out the King James Version Bible. You can read out the New American Standard Version Bible. You can read out any version of this holy book that you want to. The Bible doesn't say that you go to heaven based on which version of the Bible you read or even if you believe the same way as the preacher believes about the Bible. The Bible says we're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you believe that he is God come into flesh? Do you Because the Bible says if you don't believe Jesus God come into flesh, you have a spirit of antichrist. You are opposed to the God of this book. Do you believe that he lived, died, and rose again? If you believe that, you ought to give God glory for what you heard. Glory is a churchy word, and some people have their own definition. We need to get our definition of the word from the word. And biblically, the word glory means to put weight on something. When the Bible says the glory of the Lord pressed in, it's, it's this weightiness. This is this heaviness. It's adding weight to something. The most common modern-day way we can see it is through a character witness. Now, if you were getting locked up, you, they accused you of doing something wrong, and you're friends with the mayor, you're friends with the governor, you're friends with the preacher, you want people of power and influence to come and say, so-and-so's a good man. That, that's them giving you glory. They're adding weight to your case. Your case is, I didn't do it. The governor, the mayor, your best friend comes in and says, I don't believe he did it. He's a good man. You need to let him go. That's giving glory to something. When you co-sign on what someone else is saying to make their case stronger i wonder are you co-signing on what god said are you doing your part to go everywhere and co-sign on god's word and tell people i believe what that book says i believe in jesus I, we got to learn how to open our mouth and add weight to god's case we got to learn how to add worth to what god is saying the bible says that they glorified god in verse 20, but they also did something else. The sixth point this morning, they gave God praise for what they heard. Amen. They gave God praise for what they heard. We need to do what the shepherds did. We need to give God praise for the word of the Lord. We need to learn how to give God praise. That's another churchy word that people have weird definitions for. But the word praise is a really huge word in the Greek language, but it's a small word in the English language. See, when you read the word praise in the Bible, it's always that same word praise. But if you study it in the original languages, the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew and the New Testament was written primarily in Greek, you'll find out that there's lots of different words that describe what praise really is. If I was to tell Brother David to praise the Lord, we would get an idea of what praise meant to him. If I was to tell Brother David to hubaladaga right now, just to show me hubaladaga, he wouldn't be able to show me hubaladaga. Why? Because he don't know what that is. Because it ain't nothing. But if it was something and he didn't know what it was, he wouldn't be able to do it. So many people don't know what praise is. So when we have praise service, when we have time for praise and worship, a lot of people just stand there. 
Why? Because some of them are hard-hearted and rebellious and don't want to praise the Lord. Some of them don't love Jesus the way they should, and they, won't, they refuse to praise the Lord. But some of them just don't know what to do. And I've preached to you, and you ought to go back and look in the archives and get the message on seven types of praise because there are seven Hebrew words for our English word praise, and it means many different things. Most, most often it means one of two things. One word for praise is haleo, a Hebrew word haleo, which means to celebrate wildly or to lose your mind in ecstatic celebration. We see this most in America during football games because America's football crazy. Not so much in Jaguar games. You don't see a lot of haleo. But they're celebrating wildly. When, when your team scores, you see people standing around you high-fiving strangers, screaming and hollering, celebrating. Why? That, because they're giving praise to their team. When do you do that? Well, Pastor, I'm dignified. I'm no, you're sedity. Look that up. You, 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 you're stiff. Well, I wasn't raised that way. It doesn't matter how you were raised. God said, "Give Him praise." You need to learn how to celebrate wildly for God. You need to learn how. The Bible says we should shout, we should clap our hands, we should lift our hands in the sanctuary. I, I have heard people say, "Well, I don't lift my hands. Uh, I wasn't raised that way." If the Bible says lift your hands, you ought to lift your hands. We got to learn how to do what the word says do so we can have what the word says we can have. They gave God praise. This specific word praise here in verse 20, though, is a Greek word, ahineho, which means to recommend, to recommend. I want to ask you this this morning. We're going to get out of here early. Who's the last person you recommended God to? They went around telling everybody about this story they heard. You know, you, you may not know a lot of scripture. You don't have to know a lot of scripture to recommend God. You need to go out and you need to tell people your testimony. See, a testimony is your story about how you came to God. It involves how your life was before Christ, how you came to Christ, and how God has changed you. If you don't have a testimony, you don't have salvation. If someone tells you, if you ask somebody, are you a Christian, and they say, oh, yeah, my granddaddy laid the cornerstone on the big church, you know they're not a Christian. Because they're talking about what somebody else has done. If you ask someone if they're a believer, if they're born again, and they say, oh, man, I've been in church my whole life. You know they're not a Christian because they're talking about church and not Jesus. But if you ask someone if they're a Christian and they say, oh, absolutely, on July 15, 1981, I bowed my knees to God and asked Jesus to save me and forgive me of my sins. Well, now you got somebody with a testimony. you got somebody who knows when the change happened in their life. I believe this is why the church in America is so weak and so watered down. I believe so many pulpits are filled with good orators and smart thinkers and good teachers that aren't truly saved. You say, Pastor Scott, you believe preachers are lost? I believe the majority of them are lost. I believe the majority of people sitting in church pews are lost because the Bible says, if you read the parable of the sower, the seed, and the soil, that the, the soil is where the word is being spread. And the word is primarily being spread on folk that come to church. And the Bible says that only one out of four of those actually makes it to production. So if, if, if you're here this morning and you got four people sitting on your row, you're in good shape. If you got three, you better hope somebody else sits there. One out of four, they're like, well, okay, we got four people on that row right there. One's in, three's out. What do we got going on here? I, I don't have to work that way. Maybe, maybe the row behind y'all, nobody saved on. But listen, 
Too many people are coming to church, preaching, teaching, deacon, greeting, serving, parking, doing every kind of thing that don't truly have a love relationship with Christ. When you have a love relationship with Christ, you want to recommend him to somebody else. Marketers, advertisers will tell you that the best form of advertisement is not TV, it's not social media. The best form of advertising is not billboards or radio ads. The best form of advertising is word of mouth. Where, when you recommend a movie to your friend, they're going to go see it. You recommend a restaurant to your friend, they're going to go see it. We are so quick to do that. You recommend a good sale to you where you got that dress they just comment, complimented you on, they're going to go, oh, girl, I got this and so-and-so. They got good prices. You should go there. You are recommending, you are praising that store for their clothing. Well, why is it so easy for us to recommend movies but not recommend God? Why is it so easy for us to recommend restaurants but not a church where somebody can come and hear about a God who loves everybody? We need to start recommending God. You need to recommend God to your family. That's a form of praising him. When you recommend, when you tell him, you, you, need, to, you need to hear about Jesus. When's the, who's the last person you recommended God to? If, if I had to ask you, when's the last time you actively engaged in evangelism? Most people wouldn't know. Most people can't remember the last person they tried to share Christ with. But we need to change that. We need to get involved in recommending Christ to people. We need to get involved in recommending God to people. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.